and welcome to Life Between the Nodes, where we are going beyond the bio and bringing you interviews of your favorite South Central Pennsylvania musicians. I'm Kirsten Myers, a local oboist living in the Lancaster area, and with me today is, first of all, my cat, <laughs> who will not stop talking the to me. The star of the show. Yeah, yeah. She'll be answering questions later. Um, and Morgan Davis, actually, a local flutist also in the Lancaster area. So hi, Morgan. Hi. <laughs> and how is your week going? Oh, it's great. <laughs> so, I mean, I think this is supposed to be like summer vacation right now, right? But it just feels really busy. <laughs> it does. June has been a, a busy month, <laughs> which is when we're recording this one. So, yeah. Um, but today we are so happy that bassist Mike Vitale is here to share his life as a musician in Lancaster and what his experiences have been and challenges he has encountered along the way. So hello, Mike, and thank you so much for being here today. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, I just realized, am I saying your last name correctly? What did you say? How did you say it? I don't even I'm listen. Vitale. Got it. Yeah. Ah, okay. Phew. All right. <laughs> well, it's amazing how the, 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 for being only six letters, if it's spelled correctly, how many different ways it gets pronounced, or if people hear it pronounced correctly, how many different ways it gets spelled. So, oh, yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. <laughs> so, um, so we are actually at the point in our podcast where this is our sixth interview and some people we know well and others we don't know as much about them but that's the idea of this podcast to get to know our colleagues and bring you their stories so for instance i don't know if i've even played a gig with mike uh before but um while all three of us teach at millersville university our paths don't necessarily cross frequently um sometimes at the copy machine uh, i think <laughs> I think we played we play Lancaster Bible College. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so there's we, one. We, yes, there's one. But we've been, you know, we're like across the room from each other since. That's you know, true. Like across the stage, I, so I think the first time that we played together, or maybe the only time was at St. James, like right after I moved here downtown at like yes. a or something. Yeah. I think that's um, We all uh, recently we played it at Franklin and Marshall. Oh, no, that was yeah. the Seven Trumpets of the Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That really, yeah, that, that really was the title. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but I do have to say that, like, every single time that I encounter Mike, um, he just seems to be the friendliest person on the planet. Um, he always has a smile on his face and kind things to say. So that combined with his talent is easy to see why he is a successful musician in our area. So what's that? It's all an act. It's all an act. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So um, to uh, give you a little more insight, into Mike. Um, he holds a master's degree from Duquesne University in classical double bass performance and a bachelor's degree from Millersville University in music pedagogy and performance. He has performed with several orchestras in Pennsylvania and has extensive theater and opera experience, including national tours of The Wedding Singer, Footloose, and Beehive, the 60s musical. 
Mr. Vitali has played in over 40 states while touring with the recipe, a blue, oh, sorry, a bluegrass rock band and outside the U.S. while working on cruise ships with Royal Caribbean International and Azamara Club Cruises. He also has backed artists including a girl named Tom, Charlie Gracie, Robert Gordon, Tommy Conwell, and Doug Jernigan. Currently, Michael has been working mainly with the Downtown Sound Band, the Vinegar Creek Constituency, and during the holidays, performs in the American Music Theater Christmas Show. He also is on the music department faculty of Millersville University and man maintains an active private teaching studio for both double and electric bassists and freelances with several groups in various venues all across the region. And that's wow. it. Sounds like I do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you get to be our age, you know, it racks up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> wow, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> Time for a nap. <laughs> so, so Mike, um, so aside from Duquesne, um, have you lived in the Lancaster area all your life? No. Um, let's see. Uh, I was actually, I was, uh, my, my parents are from this area, both from this area. And okay. um, when they first got married, they moved out of the area. <laughs> uh, they moved down to uh, D.C area they were working they were working uh, in dc and so they moved uh, south of baltimore and during all that time and they had me during the last couple of years that they were down there oh. um then they then they moved back to lancaster and um so i was raised generally i was i was raised here even though i, was, I wasn't born here and right. then um i've been away and back several times like uh like Walter Duquesne, um cruise stuff i lived outside of dc for a little bit in my 20s. Um, okay. Lived in Pittsburgh um, uh, for a little while to uh, 15, 15, 20 years ago. I lived there for a little bit too. Okay. Um, and um, had a house there. That was um, some of, during some of the time that I was touring with the recipe. They were based out of Morgantown, West Virginia. Okay. So I lived out there to be closer than that. Uh, for a while, I was commuting from here. Um, but um, oh, wow, a long drive. <laughs> well, yeah, but a lot of times it would be I would drive out there and then we would go on the road for like three weeks. So it really wasn't so that we'd finish and then go back home. So it wasn't that it wasn't that as awkward as it sounds. I mean, we did play a lot of those. So, right. So yeah, it worked out. You know, but okay. it was when I was out when I was living in Pittsburgh. It was obviously much closer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So, it's the way back a few times. Right. So now how long have you been in Lancaster? Like last time? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I'm going to say about 15, 15 years with a, or one or two. There was, there was a year or two in there. I mean, 10 years, definitely. Um, there was a year or two where I lived um, in Belfont. Uh, north of North of State College. Okay, that's like where I'm from. Ah, we're, yeah, it's well, I lived right in Belfont. Um, uh, the person I was in a relationship uh, with got moved up. She got a job on the faculty at State College in the theater mm -hmm. faculty, in the theater department. And 
I moved up there with her, but then I moved back. Um, so, um, well, and we're happy you're here. <laughs> there, were lot, there were a lot of circumstances going on. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So when did you start? Was, was double bass your first instrument? What was your first instrument? Really, it was my first instrument. I mean, in elementary school, when they go around and ask what instruments to play, um, I, I initially said cello, and then no one picked bass. And when they first, you know, finished, when they got around the room, I was like, "Hey, I'm pretty tall, and pretty I'll, I'll pick bass since no one else picked bass." So I picked bass. But I also, little known fact about me that hardly anyone knows this, but I was, I played saxophone for about three months. <laughs> and, wow! You know, yeah, so I and I think the, wind. <laughs> yeah, I think I can't remember which instrument I started lessons on first, mm. but um, but I mean it was three months, so it wasn't really you know right. Yeah. So were you like in like fourth grade ish? Yes. I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. I started in fourth grade on. I think that one. Yeah, that's when I started on bass. Um, I think that's when I started on both instruments. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and did your parents in, encourage you to, to start that or were you the one yeah. who was like, yeah, I, I definitely want to do this or like, how did that I work? I just, repressed memory just came out here too. So my mom was, a, my mom was a church organist and, um, so I started piano lessons in like kindergarten. Oh, okay. And I didn't like them at all. So I did that for, it was either six months or a year or something like that. And then I, I quit. So, but they were always encouraging in terms of instrument stuff, mm -hmm. um, in terms of playing. Um, in fact, um, you know, at the time, I think it was like fifth grade or sixth grade when, um, the, the person that was teaching at the school string, the, the string teacher at the school was like, you know, you should take lessons out. I'm not a bass teacher. You know, you should take lessons outside the school. My parents actually found a really good, uh, the guy in the area, Wes Fisher, super nice guy known for working with kids and all, and, and, and just, you know, so many, you know, encouraged so many students and everything coming up. So I was taking lessons. I took some lessons with him mm -hmm. and, embarrassingly I, I didn't like him um as as you know young young Mike Vitale didn't just didn't click I was like who's this, this terrible who's this old guy and he's probably like my like the age I am now um and all I said and I we just did not click so I stopped bass lessons and about a few months later my mom came to me and asked if I would be willing to try to take bass lessons again if they found an, if she, if they found another teacher. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes. And they did. And I went with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and that's so important to find, you know, a chemistry that works with, um, with a teacher. Um, cause you're just not going to be compatible with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so weird because like, you know, later on, I've played gigs with Wes and met him, and he's like so nice and so cool and you know so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking when I was? Yeah, there? but it's you know when you're young, you know, yeah. and certain people can be intimidating, of course. And 
Yeah, it's so it's, it's that's like such a crucial thing in lessons is to feel like you connect at least a little bit or you're like comfortable around the person. Because I've totally yeah. had teachers when I was younger where it was like they were a fine teacher, but it only lasted a little while because we just it was like not it wasn't a good combination or I didn't feel like like at ease, I guess, you know, um, but I always like I think that's really interesting, too. It's why it works. There can be multiple people teaching the same instrument in in one area because it's important for the students to have you know that connection and it just doesn't always work out so like when i lived in wisconsin there were three or three or four of us that had huge flute studios when i lived in madison like we were each teaching like 25 30 students um and there was plenty of students to go around and all of us like without talking about it offered free trial lessons because students would shop they would go sort of like shop around what's your personality like what's your teaching style like um and then land with whoever felt like the right person um and that was that was when i first started teaching privately so i think it was like some good insight for me um not to be like worried at, on this side of it as a teacher like that you need to hoard students or something it just doesn't work that way right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i've learned that i've learned that too as an instructor oh yes me too <laughs> yeah. if, it doesn't, if it doesn't click with me if i can get you to the right person then great yeah or help yeah you would rather the student not quit, you know, that, that they go and have a good experience playing the instrument, right. you know, and it's hard on both people, the teacher and the student, if it's not a good fit for lessons. Yeah. Right. Well, and I'm sure that you've had people study with, with another teacher, but then come back to you for something, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's, like, well, they don't really do this as well, but I know you do. So, you know, like, especially if it's, oh, they want to take, you know, if we're dealing with like upright bass, but then they want to take, a couple of bass guitar lessons or something like that, you know, right. and, oh, I, I got I have to learn this to um, my, my, you know, school wants me to play for the high school musical and there's bass guitar in it. Can you show me bass guitar? Cause the person I'm taking upright from doesn't do that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I've had that happen too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just have yeah. to be chill about it. <laughs> so. Well, right. And often, like if I have, you know, a student who's going to leave, I, I just always say, look, my door is always open. If you ever, you know, want to come back or, you know, try something else or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so then who, um, who was the teacher then that you ended up with? Um, um, uh, Dave Ratchler. Okay. Um, oh, uh -huh. he, he, um, was, I he actually eventually became, he was a, uh, I want to say he was like a guidance counselor or he was an administrator yeah. in the district and he taught double bass and trumpet. trumpet. The, yeah, he went to, he went to Westchester and I believe trumpet was his main instrument, but he played double bass in dance bands to work his way through school. Oh. Um, so he was teaching, um, so he was teaching double bass and the, you know, I, I, you know, and it was, he would have a bunch of private students and he, you know, studio in his house, you'd go in and most of the time, uh, well, for, well, there would be, you know, there would be either a bass player or a trumpet player before or after you. And, um, like the trumpet player that was, that was next, like we, we were in the same schedule, either, you know, back to back one way or the other, um, for the longest time was um, someone, Eric Berlin, who is from this area, but he's playing 
he's on the faculty at Amherst now, and he played, you know, sub with like Boston Pops and all that. And you know, he's he's really successful in the trumpet world. Um, and it's funny because one thing that Dave, Mr. Rensler, would do would be um, he would overlap our lessons, each of our lessons, by like five minutes. And what he would do is he would have us play like double bass and trumpet blues, blues to once. Yeah, that's oh, kind of over. Yeah, so it was. It was. I just kind of remember that, and I'm like, wow, oh, Eric's doing all this stuff in the classical world, and I, I remember playing blues with him. Yeah, um, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but he, so he might not have had the. Uh, Mr. Rensler might not have had the, the classical training, mm -hmm. and everything, but he had whatever it was to you know, help me stick with it and, and, and enough. I mean, I went through, you know, the festivals, you know, districts and regionals and states mm. and all that stuff, counties, um, in, in high school. So, you know, you have, you know, he had several students that mm. were in the festivals. Mm -hmm. so, um, yep. Okay, great. So, so then when you were in high school, um, obviously you were involved in, in music. What else, were you involved in anything else in high school? Like, did you, was it mostly just music related activities? Um, music wise, I was in band, orchestra, chorus, jazz band, good orchestras, that, you know, all that stuff. Um, I ended up, so I think my sophomore year, it was my sophomore year, I, I tried out for football. And um, just, uh, yeah, yeah, just, just gonna try out for football, the right body size, you know, that's it for all that stuff. And um, um, and I like, you know, I like football. So, um, but what I was having trouble with is the like the practices over the summer. It was so hot, and you know, lots of running and all that stuff. I was getting sick like yeah. times a day from that. And I'm like, this isn't fun. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And um, so. I, I quit during, like, I think it was during when the official practices start in, in August. I, mean, I think I got through like the first week or two of that. And I was mm -hmm. just like, no. I'm sorry. No, mm -hmm. I, this isn't for me. Right. And uh, that night I was, uh, so I was playing in like a little, a little rock band. Um, and the drummer was in marching band. And so like that evening I was just going up to, um, I was meeting him at the end of practice, a marching band practice, and I was going to hang out with him and some friends. And they came up to me and they were like, hey, do you want to play bass drum in marching band? <laughs> and so the, the morning I quit football, the evening I joined marching band. Right. Like, <laughs> so that's happened to like <laughs> i quit the football team and then i joined the marching band the same day like that seems like such a funny like coincidence that happened that's happened to other people i got that's that, that just yeah this is kind of funny yeah that's a quick turnaround <laughs> yeah and then so that year i played bass drum and then the next like my junior and senior year i played bass guitar okay um so the other stuff in high school i mean i worked on crew of some of the plays like the like some of the the like the play uh, backstage right. for some of the stuff. Um, I was on the chess team for a couple of years. Probably some other stuff in there. I think I was my my class. Uh, 
vice president for a year in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, which is more just, you know, popularity contest, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah. so, uh, okay. But, yeah, but yeah, so it was involved in some other things, but it was, it was a lot of music stuff. Right. When did, when did you start playing bass guitar then? Um, freshman year high school. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, sometime during my freshman year. And I was one of those, like I, I, I'd done, I mean, the times that I've been playing with people, it was all pretty much written out. It was written out and I got a bass guitar and I was one of those I was like, oh my gosh, I don't really, you know, people were, I, you know, people want to jam, you know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would go over and I wouldn't know any songs yeah. and like, well, you know, oh, these people were listening, you know, learning them songs by ear. And that was a whole different skill set that I didn't have. And it wasn't very natural to me. Mm-hmm. So it was something that I had to kind of, you know, work on and, and start on. Uh, of course, I like the ba- the bands that I like are like progressive rock stuff. So I'm trying to learn Rush songs by ear, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have the skill set to play them or the skill set to really pick out the parts. And this yeah, was you know, yeah. the internet where you can have someone do a tutorial to show all this stuff, and you know everything's written out and everything. So that was a that was a um, that was a rude awakening for me there too. With you know when I'm playing with some people, but yeah. then when I was playing musicals the parts were largely written out right. and I was like, Oh, okay. This is cool. Well, I kind of get this instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until a lot later on that I, my first cruise ship contract that I actually sat down and kind of practiced bass guitar pretty okay. seriously, even though, even though I did take some lessons on it uh, during undergrad. Okay. So, so then, what, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, so when did you, like, did you develop that skill to play by ear? Like, when did that happen? I'm always curious, like, if people start out, because, like, I'm very much, like, a put, put the page in front of me and I will play whatever it says. Um, you yep. know, and you don't have to learn to play by ear if you're a classical flutist. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, I, and I, yeah, I totally, I totally understand that because it's, so, um, I mean, I was playing with groups and, and bands and I was kind of getting by. So after undergrad, I took like four or five years off in between undergrad and grad school where I was kind of gigging and doing a lot of theater stuff, but some other, sometimes there would be jazz gigs and um, some, some other things. So I, I was kind of aware, maybe made more and more aware that I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of important. Mm-hmm. And then, um, first cruise ship contract was with a whole bunch of people. Uh, then I went to grad, grad school later twenties. And then my first gig out of, out of grad school was on um like bigger gig was on, was a cruise ship contract gig. And when I went into that group, um, the, the band, it was sort of a little bit of a throwback. Like the, the, the group that I was on, the person that I was replacing was part of a, a larger, I think it was like a 13 piece band. And a lot of them were big jazz fans and could do all this stuff and play by ear, and including the guy I was replacing. And they hated me <laughs> um, because I came home and I just remember the first rehearsal, the trombone player turned around and looked at the trumpet section. He's just like, looks like we have a reader, boys. And it wasn't meant as a compliment at all. Yeah, right. So 
I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job on this ship. And, and that was not much of an exaggeration, you know, with some things that kind of went on and everything. So at there, I was trying to figure out how to make my ear better and everything. And then once I got off of that contract, um, I started thinking about ways that I can be better and what I, what I could do to be better in that, in that light, or just kind of be better at kind of just playing on the spot. So I started going out to, um, jam sessions and open mics. And then I, I became like a house bass player for, for one of them. And in that spot, you know, people are coming up and like, Hey, I want you to play bass for me. And I'm like, okay, what are we playing? Well, it's an original. And I'm like, well, what key? Uh. Um, what, what, what chords do you start on chords? Well, I kind of do this and this and this. I'm like, okay, why don't you start and I'll just pop in. So doing that for a long time and just kind of what, what I like to say is throwing myself into the fire, nice. you know, at that point, but sometimes you do it and it's like, okay, that was pretty cool. Sometimes like, that was great. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so embarrassed. Right. You know, and, yeah. But the more you do that, the better, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. And so it really wasn't until later on that I got kind of better and it's still a, it's still an ongoing thing. Like I, I, you know, if I was a real jazz player, I would know a whole bunch of jazz standards just out of, off the top of my head. And I know a few, but not nearly as many as I really should at this point in my career, if I was, if I was going to pursue that. It's, it's but, so interesting. Cause it's like, I think you have to do it to learn it, but it, you know, then it's like, um, where do you, where do you do that? I mean, it's the thing you can practice, but you, to some extent you have to be in that situation. Like I had a, church gig uh, when I lived in Wisconsin, ironically at a Catholic church, which you wouldn't think would require a whole lot of playing by ear, but we had a really great music director and he would just throw things at us. He'd be like, oh, hey, I want to do this in this key. Or could you just like vamp something over top of this thing that I'm playing or, and that was like so new to me. And so I think that being in that environment, that was like the first time I really had to, but it was doing it that made it better. Like if I wouldn't have been in that situation, I don't think I would have really spent the time on that skill set. So, um, so I'm always curious how that like people like grow that skill for themselves when you've already sort of started out reading. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's um, I totally. Yeah, I totally get that. And and that's why I said like the jam sessions because it's, yeah. it's then it's like oh well, there's some people that come out and want to do the same song pretty much a few weeks in a row. So you get better at it or it's like, Oh, I'm going to go home and listen to that because I didn't do very well on it or something. And then, you know, then the next person comes out and you're like, Oh, I feel good about this. The next person comes out and says, oh, I want to do it in this key instead. And you're like, Oh, okay. I want to do, uh, you know, uh, old blues, you know, which is like the, the six, eight, 12, eight feel kind of thing. And they're like, oh, let's do it in four. You're like, okay. And then that further kind of, you know, which at this point, I mean, I can do that because I've done it a few times, but when you first do it, it's like, okay, process thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. And it was a little uncomfortable at first. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you said, the more you kind of do it, um, the only way to, to, to really do that is to do that. And so I still like going out to open mics or jam sessions for that reason then too it's like oh yeah i know this song or oh i don't know this one and you know there are people out there watching this and you know like, <laughs> right well and that's the one 
So I was just going to say that that's just so impressive to me that that you do that and you put your you're able to put yourself in those situations because I think I would crumble like because I'm definitely a reader and that kind well, of and it's it's a, I mean you could also I mean obviously now with technology there are some it's not the same thing but like uh, there are there are um, uh, like apps that you can get mm. that. You, that can, you know, there's one iReal Pro that, um, yes, Apple, if you want to endorse me, that's, um, but it's a, you know, it's a, that will play, um, you can choose like uh, bass drums and piano, like in the, in the most simple version. Uh, so I take the bass out, but you can have like the drums and piano just kind of loop chords or changes. And you can change the keys, all that stuff. And I can use that to work on bass lines uh, or solos. Right. And we're just, just kind of improvising and something that I've been starting to incorporate a little bit into my practice mm-hmm. is, is like, okay, I'm just going to play for five minutes, total free improv right now. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I feel that I'm, I'm still, I still get really nervous about and I'm still trying to work on um, better soloists. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not usually, it's not, it's not usually the biggest players realm but it it does happen (laughs) you know know, and and so i wouldn't be better at that or they'll look at me go and i'm like "Eh." (laughs) that's great though i mean you're constantly trying to improve i mean that's 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 great so um now so you went to millersville right Uh, so and and what um why did you choose millersville Um, or, or should I not ask that question? Uh, no, 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 no. There's always a story, I guess, with me. So, um, I, uh, I actually auditioned and was accepted to University of Maryland, um, for, for music and I, uh, got a scholarship in July of that in between when I was supposed to start. Uh, school in August or semester. In July, I got notification from University of Maryland that they lost my financial aid. Oh. And I don't know, really, I mean, that's what they, that's what it actually said. I don't know what that really. What that meant, yeah. Else, whatever. But, um, so, at that point, I'm like, I can't afford to go. And, um, I grew up in Millersville. <laughs> so when my parents first moved back to Lancaster, uh, they, they lived a little bit east of the city. And then when I was like 12, they moved to Millersville. So I went to Penn Manor High School, you know, right next to Millersville's campus and all that stuff. And I had, so the person that actually signed me up for bass way back in fourth grade was this guy Peter Bry, who was doing his student, student teaching. And so he signed me. He signed me up for bass, and my senior year district orchestra was at Millersville, okay. and it was on Millersville's campus, and he was the guest conductor. So we, we reconnected after however many years, yeah. and um, so I, you know, grew up in, I reached out to him, and he was like, yeah, you should come to Millersville. So within like three weeks, I had gone from University of Maryland to Millersville. 
It was mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Afford it and or you know, with working and all that kind of stuff. And so it was um the plan was at that point was maybe to go to Millersville for uh, a year or two and maybe transfer. Well, I was part time for two years at Millersville and then full time for three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, okay. I was working because um, at that point it was too late for any scholarship money from Millersville. So mm-hmm. I was working. Right. A, I was working day jobs and stuff at going to school. So that's why I was part time for a couple years. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for anybody who doesn't, who's listening, who might not know who Peter Bry is, he is um, a, a cellist in the in the Lancaster area, but he was also the orchestra uh, conductor at uh, Millersville University, and um, also of the Reading Youth Symphony for many many years. So, um, yeah, yeah, so and, I that and I just totally totally left all that left all that out. No, no, I mean that's well, that's what I'm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. to help explain some of these things. That's not what I'm here for because I have like snippets of knowledge about things, but I feel like you always know all the gaps of like how people fit together, Kirsten. Oh, there. real? Oh, well, some. You're here for a little while, you start to hear all the same names over and over and over again, and you meet a lot of people, but you, there's so many musicians here who have been here for such a long time, you just don't ever meet them all, you know? You oh, just, yeah. You hear about people's, what they've done and who they've worked with and... And I, I love that. And so Peter was student teaching at your yes. school. That's yes. Wow. It was so, so he was, he was student teaching. It was, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, he, I don't think he was, I don't think he was, uh, uh, he might've been a non-traditional student mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. He was student yeah, teaching at, at Township, signed me up for lessons. So because he was student teaching, he didn't teach me. Yeah, it was someone else who was who was there at the school. So he right. just signed me up and, and, and kind of, um, and I picked cello, I think maybe because he was a cellist and was so yeah. enthusiastic about cello. Yes. But then I was like, no, I'll pick bass because no one else picked it. And then, um, but yeah, so then yeah, while I was at Millersville and he was, uh, well, District was at Millersville and he was conducting that. Um, then I went to Millersville and he was conducting the orchestra. And he actually was at the time he was technically the base teacher at Millersville. Millersville did not have an adjunct teacher. And he was like, come to Millersville and what we're going to do. Um, and shoot, I know they wouldn't do this now, but he's like, you're going to, we'll have you find someone to take lessons with off campus mm-hmm. and you'll get credit for it. Right. So I did that for those two years that I was part time. Okay. I was actually wondering if, like, I mean, I imagine you know Walter Blackburn. Yes. Who he was on? He was orchestra. He was the, I'm sorry, the choir, the choral conductor, and I took a couple. Con, I mean, during undergrad, uh, conducting classes and uh, some of the vocal, some of the vocal pedagogy classes. Okay. So, and he taught at Millersville as well, which is yes. what you're talking of. Um, yeah. But he was a bass player, though, correct? Or started doing he, I, I don't know if he played when he was younger okay. but he picked it up um <clears throat> i believe it was after i graduated okay all right he, started, he, started, he had an interest in bass um okay that's interesting yeah because yeah. i actually he played bass in york symphony for a number of yeah. years yeah yeah, yeah. so yes yeah, so i knew that because we he talked to me about that because i played it in york symphony for for a while too 
and um, but we didn't. I don't, we never overlapped there. But nope. he was asked. I know when he was playing, when he was first starting to play. I don't know if he was taking lessons with anyone, but I know he. I talked to him a few times about some, you know, just some questions or, um, yeah. you know, questions about the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, completely coincidentally, um, he, his couple coincidences. His wife, Catherine, was my high school orchestra director. Oh. She was at Penn Manor for, I think, five years, The la- uh, and I was there for four, like, during four of them. Okay. And, and another coincidence is that he and his wife moved, um, oh, this was, this was well after I had graduated, but he and his wife moved into... Uh, into Millersville on the next street from my parents. Like I could see their house from my parents' kitchen window. Oh, really? So, wow. Wow. Yeah, so I would see, okay. you know, if, if we were both out in the neighborhood, if we were walking or something like that. So I saw him pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Small yeah. world. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, I've had, you know, some, some great conversations with Walter when he was playing in York symphony and yeah. And it's, it's just amazing that he was, he had only picked up that instrument um, later, so much later in his life. And then yes, the uh, symphony. I can't remember if he said he played at all when he was younger. Yeah, enough, and he, I know have, yeah. he wasn't, I had no idea. I know he wasn't playing when I was at Millersville. When I was a student at Millersville. Like, I had no idea. Like, um, I learned, so I learned a lot from him. Um, like, my, uh, both singing and my ear, you know, the, like the, yes. the, the oral stuff, you know, that's really, really sharp. And, um, even some, even some, not that I conduct very often or anything like that, but, um, even, you know, like we can, I learned a lot from him in conducting them too. Great. Um, so, so then after you were at Millersville, then you went, to, well, you took time off, um, and you were gigging and working, right? And then, yeah. and then you went to Duquesne for yeah. two years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Millersville, I had during my five years, I had four different bass teachers. Oh my gosh. So I was constantly sort of starting over. Yeah. Um, with yeah. different things, and then um, I, during during Millersville, I had started to play a lot with like Lancaster Symphony and the four freelance gigs in the Lancaster area. Um, but because I was, I was working during a lot of undergrad and I was maybe not taking undergrad quite as seriously as I should have, um, and, uh, or playing that much. Um, I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to go back to, I was unhappy. I was working in the business world and, um, and I was doing okay. Um, in that and playing gigs and the weekends, but I was kind of unhappy. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go back to school and I'll try and give, um, I'll try and focus a little bit more on, on music and give that a, a, take it a more seriously, give that a shot. So I contacted, someone said, hey, the bass teacher at Duquesne is really good. And someone else said, hey, the bass teacher at Carnegie Mellon is really, is really good. So I contacted both schools and left messages on their, you know, their office, music office phone. And I got a call back. Um, from Jeff Turner, who's principal bass player at Pittsburgh Symphony, 
he was actually the bass teacher at both schools. Oh. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> he um, and due to circumstances out there, a number of players in the Pittsburgh Symphony were going back and forth between the two schools at the time. And, and the two schools were saying, you have to make a decision because what the teachers were doing, were actually kind of pitting the schools against each other in terms of yeah. financial aid. Wow. So schools were like, you have to pick one or the other. So Jeff was going to me. So I, uh, I was like, Hey, can I come out and, um, take a lesson with you and you can let me know on whether I should just like, hang it up or if I should pursue things or anything, just to you know, kind of let me know where I'm at. Um, and um, I went out and he was like, okay, apparently I had some potential or something. Cause he was like, yeah, I'd like you to, I'd like you to come here. And um, it was a grad, I was his grad assistant um, there for a couple of years. And, okay. and, and I mean, my undergrad, I'm thankful for, you know, you know for, for Dave Rensler and all my undergrad teachers there too, because I feel like, while I didn't necessarily, I like to say this, I, I didn't progress this way, like getting so much better technically. I got a lot of different broad ideas from different, from, from, and, and um, just approaches to the instrument. And there were some teachers that I had that, like, I had a couple of really good teachers there that I probably wasn't ready for what they had to offer at the time. Like I look back and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I could go, wish I could go back and take a couple lessons with them now. Right. Um, I think because of my grad assistant duties and I was playing in bands while I was in school, I didn't, I, I practiced a lot, but not, I wasn't, you know, but I wasn't practicing the, you know, I wasn't getting every day, you know, the four or five, six hours that you should be for, you know, for pursuing yeah. that stuff. I learned kind of at the end of my first year that I was like, okay, well, I'm doing this just to be a better musician. And I, it took a little bit because Jeff, while he would do other things bass-wise, he's deeply entrenched in the classical world. He's a, he's a monster, um, astral player, teacher, master class technician, soloist. He does all of that stuff super well in the classical world. And I think it took a little bit for both of us to figure out what the heck I was doing there. And, um, I think mainly because I was starting, I was starting over a lot and I either developed a lot of bad habits or just never learned the right habits to begin with. Um, I essentially was starting over again from, a, I had so many technical things that were wrong or wrong, um, right. not the best way to play, um, that I was essentially starting over with, with Jeff on all that stuff. And, so there was there were some difficult times I'm sure for him, and and for me, I, and, and for me too with, with all that. So um, yeah. Yeah. yes, but it was a, that was, I really I, yeah that was a great time though and I'm I, it's invaluable. Like I would definitely not be like doing what I'm doing now if it hadn't for for, for Jeff and yeah I, I mean everyone but but a sure. lot of stuff you now it's Jeff's right even applying things to like how I practice and approach bass guitar are like, Oh, wow. Huh. This is a really logical way of practicing and getting stuff done and doing all this stuff that my eyes were completely open at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 
that's that's great. Um, I'm sure it gave a new energy to, because you were, I don't know, it just gave a new energy to your future career too by doing that, um, by kind of starting back at square one. It was frustrating though too because I was like, well, I'm already gigging, I'm already doing this <laughs> stuff, um, you know. But I was also I had to temper that with, but you want to be a better player and possibly have some other opportunities come out of this. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. So, so was it after that then you had signed that cruise ship deal? Was this yes. The, yeah. So after focusing mainly on classical stuff, you know, playing with the alt band, like alt rock band too, while I was out there, but um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually looked into getting an artist diploma certificate at Duquesne mm -hmm. um, after that. Mm -hmm. um, it was like I graduated, things fell apart with the band. I was looking at trying to do an artist diploma, you know, essentially a, a, a piece of paper that you know, says you practice for two years, um, um, which, you know, that's, I mean, that, that's what I needed at that point because I was going to focus on classical. I had talked with Jeff pretty seriously and he's like, well, your potential, you know, your age and all this stuff um, at the time is like, you know, if you do that, you would put yourself probably on a level to compete with people, not in the top 10 orchestras at the time, but maybe like the, that, that sort of next group that would be like full-time, full-time orchestras. Um, he's like, but this is entirely up to you. You pretty much have to drop everything, you know, knowing you and knowing where your skill set is, everything, you have to pretty much drop everything and focus just on classical, which I was willing to do. I applied for it. And then the school, since they had already invested two years in me with the grad assistant stuff, they, they did not want to invest in a, you know, they, they wanted to give that aid to someone else, financial aid to someone else. So, um, I ended up not going going back for the artist diploma certificate because I wasn't sure I could afford the, the tuition at that point. And um, um, I'm trying to think, I moved back and yeah, the first sort of main thing, I, a couple months later, I got a, a, a random call about, um, I had sent my resume out to a whole bunch of places and didn't hear anything, a whole bunch of booking and all that stuff. And then out of the blue, in early September, I got a call from uh, someone from Royal Caribbean mm -hmm. saying, you know, hey, um, you have an opportunity, you want to do a cruise ship contract? And I'm like, sure, how'd you get my information? And apparently one of the people, one of the booking agents that I had sent my information to somehow sent my name to him and my name, my resume or whatever ended up on a pile on his desk. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, I think this was, it was early September and it was for a contract that started in later September. So it was like three weeks notice to go out on a six month contract. Mm. So I did an audition over the phone. He faxed me. This is, oh. yeah, this is pre like a lot of internet stuff. So he oh, faxed yeah. stuff and I played my audition over the phone and, uh, um, I got the, got the gig. Um, my, you know, cause there's, I mean, in spite of what the trombone players are, yeah, the cruise ship gig, there is a lot of reading and being able to read a whole bunch of different types of notation, let's put it that way, um, <laughs> or sort of guess at stuff too. And so there's a lot of that involved in the gig. 
Um, but yeah, I went on. And so after doing all the classical stuff, I think I played a musical over the summer, maybe Greece or something, and then um, went out on the cruise ship gig with a whole bunch of guys that lived in the jazz world. And I was completely out of my element at that point, you know, because I was, you know, I was focusing on, you know, different stuff. And so then it was like a different type of, that was where I was like, okay, well, this is a different type of lesson and different type of learning experience. Um, and I mean, uh, well, and that trombone player, I mean, he, he, he's legit. I mean, he was legit. He, he played with, um, toured with Buddy Rich, recorded with Sammy Davis and all that oh, stuff. So, wow. I mean, it was, yeah. So, I mean, hearing someone like that kind of like chop you down immediately, I was just like, oh, yeah. didn't I have that already in grad school? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're I like, I like, have, I have six more months of this, right? Yeah. The six yeah. months yeah. Ironic part of that, though, is that, you know, you were both in the same place. Like, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, so. I, I looked at it like that, but I also looked at it like, oh, man, uh, this is, you know, one of many times during my, during my, my career, during my, during my musician career, that, that I was like questioning, I'm like, should I be doing this? Or, or should I be doing something else? Am I meant to be doing this? Mm -hmm. And, um, and and the answer, you know, after kind of having that day or two of, ugh, yeah, this is, I feel awful. Um, it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to try and go down fighting if that's the case and try and, you know, am I going to look back at this moment and be like, did, I, did you just quit without trying to give everything that you really could have tried with right. and tried to do? And so, um, you know, the cruise ship contract, to get out of the cruise ship contract, all I had to do was pay for my plane ticket home. Oh. And, and I mean, I was, I, my first couple months on the ship, I was pretty miserable. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was rough. The people in my own, in the ship's orchestra were, were not super friendly. You know, um, the people that I became friends with were actually people, the other the musicians that played in like the steel band and the, uh, the, 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 the Polish jazz quartet that was playing on the ship and all that. So, so I, I became friends with other people before becoming friends with, you know, before making any friends in my own group. And um, so, and, and I mean, the, the, the music director um, there, the guy that was the, the, the actual music director on the ship there, um, Frank, guitar player, great player, great guy. He even, he, you know, a couple times there were some things where he was just like, I'm not sure if this is going to work out. And I'm like, I'm trying, you know, and, and everything. I got through it. I, mean, I got to the point, even at the end of the contract, that they, they were saying, so are you going to come back? But So I got to that point. Like, I think by the end of my contract, I had worked on some stuff enough. And there are so many different great entertainers that come on the ships that there are different styles. And you, I mean, you really get to see where people's strengths and weaknesses are. So I think by the time we... Signed up, and also uh, the trombone player um, Jim Trimble had a a uh, um, he had a nice he had a heart to heart with me at one point about stuff. He was just like you know, well honestly he was like, you're drinking with me tonight, boy, mm -hmm. and uh, like okay, that uh, means he's gonna say something. And he talked to me about like the role of the bass player, what I should be doing, and the rhythm section, all that stuff, and. Um, a lot of things that 
I hadn't really thought about like listen and try here should try and develop my ear in a in a different way to right. listen ensemble and so i'm still trying to you know i'm still trying to apply that and you know approach mm -hmm. you know trying to be better so by the time i signed off i think um those folks you know realized maybe i have some i have some some strengths too mm -hmm. and um, so I actually did not end up going back, um, you know, right after the, the, you know, to that ship right away. Right. But, um, but you had done I, other cruises though, then. I did about nine or 10 years later. Oh, really? I was, okay. I was so nervous going I'm on. Sure. I did two shorter, like that was a six month contract. The first one was a six month contract. The other two were like two and a half months. Okay. And at that point in time. I was really nervous about going back on because I was like, oh, oh boy, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a better player. I think I've worked on these things. You know, during that time is when I was going to the, I was doing a lot of theater stuff. I was also playing with different bands. I was throwing, I was doing the open mics mm -hmm. and I felt like, I'm like, okay, I think I have a, a good skill set for this now, mm -hmm. an opportunity. And I went on, I got a, and they were essentially fill in contracts because they were two and a half months long. Mm -hmm. And I went on and those were much, I mean, you know, there's always tough, there's always, there's always tough things and always things that are like, oh my gosh, with the contract. But um, overall it was, yeah, it was, it, there were, uh, that was way better. Like I felt like, okay, cool. I can do this. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and the industry had changed a little bit too. The, some of the, um, the ship's orchestras were a little smaller. And uh, um, I think technology had caught up at that point so that like even some of the in-house ship shows, they sent them to me a week or two in advance so that I could kind of practice them a little bit. So I wasn't just sight reading on the ship right. um, like for, for the in-house shows. Um, they're still pretty, still pretty hard and there's a lot of stuff going on with them, but um, at least for me. And, um, but, uh, uh, but it was, I think the, the circumstance, like I felt, I feel much better about like I, I wouldn't mind doing another cruise ship contract if the circumstances work out because it's a great way to see part, you know a great way to see parts of the world that you might not otherwise get a chance to see yeah so. i mean that's a very unique experience um to to be doing that yeah oh yeah well and playing for different different headliners and oh yeah you know, where some of the people who are on that list i actually no i don't think i listed anyone that i backed on the ship on the on the on on the um uh on the bio but um but yeah played with some some people who are really good and then some people was like okay this is this is a different kind of challenge <laughs> yeah uh, um so yeah it's, it's really good experience for a lot of things yeah um so do you have a favorite um style of music that you like to perform i mean you've done a lot or such a good and tough question. Um, I think it's hard as musicians because we often have like this eclectic, you know, we, we, we like a lot of different, you know, styles. But trying to pick a style that I like, that's tough because it, it sometimes it, it, you know, it depends on the people that I'm playing with. Mm -hmm. Circumstances and um, I don't know. That's yeah. A, well, I, 
That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the experiences that you have with music have a lot to do with the people that you're playing with too. Well, and bass is used in everything. So I've been, you know, fortunate and blessed enough with a whole bunch of opportunities and a bunch of different styles mm -hmm. and combination with, like you said, the people that you're with and the circumstances, it, it, it can make for a great experience or kind of like, okay, this is, I need to approach this as, as, it's it's a job and i i need to do this in order to serve the job mm -hmm. you know right it's not and here again that's not knocking anyone or anything it's just you know it's yeah. just what it is yeah. sometimes right right that's an interesting that's aspect of our work though is like you know everybody like music's supposed to be this big like emotional like enjoyable like thing and sometimes it's just work you know and that's yeah. like a, an interesting like, I think that's a difficult transition to make if you have some success after school and you're working, you know, to realize that, like, it's not all going to be like those big moments you had in school where you started, like, playing big pieces or, like, you know, you think, like, oh, I'm going to get all these, like, freelance jobs and it's going to be so ideal. And then you realize that, like, work is work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but there are still plenty of moments and sometimes there, there, it's, you're not expecting when those moments happen then, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same with teaching. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when did you start working uh, at Millersville then? Um, I'm about to start my 10th year. Okay. And so what what is that like for you as, <laughs> as a person who went to that school and now teaching at that school? Like, um, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a cool thing like that you went to the that university and now that you're teaching there and... Well, and and that, you're giving those students uh, a more consistent experience <laughs> than what you had by by being there, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I'm uh, sure you are. <laughs> process oh, yeah. too. I mean, I'd been teaching privately. I had taught um, uh, for a couple of years at Lancaster Bible College, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, and I went to Millersville, but going through the process of teaching at the state school, that's a whole other, at a state school, that's a whole other learning curve. Mm -hmm. and it really is. And academia is an adjunct, like, so when you're an adjunct at the state school, and then having just gone through my first year of that, yes. the learning curve is very steep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. And especially over the last couple of years with mm -hmm. a, like going like with COVID and all the virtual stuff and, and everything. And then also with budget cuts going on from the state. Like learning, it's just understanding what applies to you and what doesn't. And there's like so much language and so much paperwork and, you know, that kind of stuff that has really nothing to do with what you're teaching, you know, yes. but just knowing like, oh, what's this deadline I have to keep and what's this thing I'm responsible for and, you know. Yeah. Oh, this training. Oh, I need to do that or this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I learned that the 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 full time faculty are are really you know they're, they 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 do care and they they they're really helpful and there are professors to help out and yeah that's good. Right. Go ahead. And they and and they're overloaded. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I know this year I was like really trying to like reserve my questions for things. It's like. You know, you just, you can see the amount of work that's placed on people's shoulders. And it's like, you know, you try to hang on to the things like, when do I really need help? Can I figure this out myself? Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, making friends with other adjuncts, 
um, and being able to say like, hey, what did you do in this situation? Like, <laughs> yes, who sure. should I talk to? Do I need to have that conversation right now or can I handle this myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of information to sift through. And I think just being that it's a, a state school, yes. um, it's just a, a very different process than it is for, you know, a private college. Right, um, like liberal arts. It's, yes. How long, how long have you been at Miller's Wilkerson? 22 years. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you're you're just like yeah. I know all this stuff. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I do not know all of it. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I've been there that long, but I've also been somewhat peripheral. I would say because you know I have you know just being oboe and or bassoon at times. You know, they're just few students. You know, right. and so you know I'm like my foot is like half in half out of the the door so um yeah, yeah. and i know I'm a little more involved because when i first started that was when they were really starting to ramp up um the the business and technology program so yeah. one of the things that they were they wanted to make sure is i was okay with teaching bass guitar and and how i was going to approach that stuff um and, you had mentioned to me before about an injury that you had had um in was it 2009 with your finger i think yes that kind of changed a lot of things for you yes so let's see um this would have been like we were talking about the the like the two shorter cruise ship contracts that i did later on Mm -hmm. Um, and then i was also doing some theater tours during that time. So I was on the road a lot and um, I was on the tour for um, the wedding singer. And I was also, um, they were short on crew members. So I also took a position as what they call pit rat. And which is supposed to be like, I travel with the crew and I'm the one that sets up the pit and tears down the pit at each show. So like I set up the drums and I set up all the in-ear monitor systems and, and all that stuff so that when the band comes in, they can just come in and maybe do some minor adjustments and go. Mm-hmm. Well, because the tour didn't quite have enough people that they did, they also put on a responsibility of me with me of um, being responsible for uh, being in charge of the group loading and unloading the electric tractor trailer so all the light trusses all the soundboards all that stuff at the end of the night beginning of the night you know and and loading all that stuff is way more of a process than i ever imagined i mean it's like a huge 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 game of like live tetris putting all that stuff in the truck and things have to go on certain ways that ways and one night uh, and i didn't and they're like well you won't i was concerned about my hands mm-hmm. with that Cause I'm like, well, I don't want to be, you know, I mean, I use my hands to play. I don't, you know, really want to damage them. And they're like, well, you really just have to tell people what to do and all that stuff. Well, because of the Tetris being so involved, it's really just better if I help and I'm strong and, you know, I can help with that stuff. So I was doing that. And sure enough, like one night on the tour, we were pushing something on and a big theater drop hamper fell off of the top of the stack that was already on. And we were pushing a big, like the big soundboard console that they use out front. And it was in one of those big hard road cases and the, the, the hamper fell off the stack and I did not get my hand out in time. 
and essentially tore all the skin off of this finger and wow. broke it, severed nerves and all that stuff. And it was pretty disgusting. And um, I'm so stressed out just like listening to this because I worry about my yeah. fingers all the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, I went to the went to the ER and you know, got flown home and they had to do skin graft surgery. They took skin from my wrist and put it on my finger. And I went through 10 months of physical therapy. Oh um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Like it's like, yeah. you don't realize like if you do this to your fingers, there's, it's kind of, there's like, a, there's some give there because there's fatty tissue under your fingers there. Mm -hmm. All of that was gone. All of that. Like the only reason my finger even, I mean, you can tell my finger looks a little different, Yeah. The, but really right after the surgery, I mean, it's because I've built up so much callus under there. This was totally flat after the surgery. You know, it's just, there was nothing there. Wow. And um, it was what the, the, the doctor, I was like, so, you know, I'm gonna be able to play for a living again, right? And he was like, you'll be able to play. Oh. And it was kind of like, kind of like up to me, you know, he's like, it's up to you on whether, how, how you recover and all that stuff. So, um, uh, and it was, it was rough because, you know, uh, the first week that was, that was in late October, the first week I went into the physical therapist and she's like, so what are your goals? And I'm like, well, the tour takes a Christmas break, but then goes back out on the road in January. I'm hoping to rejoin the tour in January. And she was like, no, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I think a better goal would be maybe be able to tie your own shoes by then. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Wow. So yeah, so they gave me the green light to to practice to start playing bass again. Bass guitar. Can't even do upright at that point because it's still more strength and everything. But um they gave me the green light to practice 20 minutes a day on bass guitar or try to play 20 minutes a day. And even that was too much for the graft. Like the graft was blistering and starting to come apart. So like, okay, well now yeah, I need to stop for a couple of weeks and let the, that heal. And now you can play five minutes a day and we'll build things up from there. And so I, I had to relearn. I mean, I had, I mean, I didn't have any, I still don't really have any feeling in that part of my finger. So I really had to, I had to relearn how to play right. both, both bass guitar and upright bass. And, you know, at this point, that's, that's a lot later, you know, a lot later than most people were learning. But at that point I was drawing upon a lot of stuff that I had learned you know, grad school for when I was when I could do the upright stuff. And even on bass guitar, um, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to relearn, I'm going to try and do this in the in the most efficient, like try to relearn, quote, the right way or the better way of, and try to play. Mm -hmm. So that was another point at which where I was like, okay, do I want to keep doing this? Or do I want to, you know, should I, should I, am I, am I meant to be doing something else? Mm -hmm. And so I was really trying to learn how to play quote right, but also how to make things work. And it took a while, it took a long time. Cause I'm, you know, you're thinking about like how to retrain this finger, especially, but trying to retrain everything, how to do what you're doing with whatever little compromises I need to make with the other fingers to, you know, to, to, to make up for that. And so then because normally when you play, you're like, okay, I'll just pick up an instrument and do what I need to do. And these guys know, you know, it's, it's the muscle memory of these guys knowing what they've, you know, do there. I didn't have the muscle memory and it took me like a year to get the, 
to get that part of it. Then it was the mental part of, okay, well, okay, now I want to get back to the point where I can say, okay, I'm looking at this stuff on the page and I'm not thinking about, okay, here's where this, okay, that feels like it's about in the right position and all that. And um, so, so mentally it took a while, like even more time to kind of get back. Mm -hmm. And so in relearning and going through that whole process, you know, really, you know, I'm in my early mid fifties now. And, and, you know, so that was, you know, my early forties, that's a little later than most people were kind of learning how to play. So I feel like I'm a little bit closer. I'm not that far re removed from learning how to play. And I feel like that's, that kind of helps me as a teacher. Um, a going through grad school where I had to relearn how to play everything. And I had developed, like I said, all these bad habits or never just never developed good habits. Mm -hmm. And then relearning later on, there's a lot of stuff that I see in students. If they're doing something, I can relate to it a little bit better Oh yeah. because I've gone through it not terribly long ago. Right. And I remember that, you know, having to kind of relearn twice as an adult, yeah. you know, so, a lot of that. Uh, yeah. So when you talk about relearning, are you talking like you're still using that finger or are you using your other fingers to compensate for? Um, I relearned to use that finger without feeling in it. Yeah. Okay. Cause you're numb. Is it, is it? Yeah. Yeah. The nerves were severed. I, I feel like every now and then I feel like a little pressure or anything like that. But if I do like, you know, take a pen and I do this, I feel a little bit kind of on the outsides of my, of where the, where the, where the wound is. Um, and on the tip, on the tip of the finger, it's actually um, hypersensitive. So like if your foot falls asleep, yeah. and comes back you know how it's pins and needles and all that stuff that's what the tip of my finger feels like, like a lot so yeah. i have to kind of tap it on some tap it on something like the desk or something to kind of deaden that a little bit sometimes but so okay. learning the higher positions on upright bass like up in thumb position where you're playing mm. on that part was really painful when i first was like i was really right Took me a while to kind of kind of get used to being able to, to that sensation and being able to play up there and then much less trying to play in tune you know you know all that stuff yeah. so that was a that was a whole process so yeah but i'm um there are a couple of times where i might use my second finger my middle finger instead of my first finger it's it's definitely not It's definitely not the um, as dominant a figure. Fing, definitely not as dominant a finger as it was before the accident. Right. But it's still, but it's not like I'm never using it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's just first finger. Here we go, kind of thing. Yeah. So. Wow. I mean, that's just so admirable to me that you took the time and 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 stuck with it. Honestly, because I think, well, and I think a lot of people would be like, well, I'm just going down another path. I am, you know, that they wouldn't yeah. stick with, you know, playing their instruments. It'd be like, well, I'm getting a desk job now, you know. Well, and that went through my head. And yeah. there was a lot of stuff. And I was yeah, just you like. Did a lot of work. I mean, it would have been, yeah. Well, and, and. Experience to do something else. Well, it was another moment it was another moment where uh, i was like okay well i'll give this shot until i feel like okay 
I shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's, I'll try it and try. see what happens. Right. Yeah. And well, and like, isn't that such a great attitude to say like, what's the worst thing that happens? You don't, you don't walk away from the situation saying like, like having regrets of not knowing. Exactly. You know, That's it was just like, like you talked about was going to grad school or like in this situation, you're not going to spend the rest of your life thinking, well, what if I would have done this other thing? Yeah. You know, yeah. I learned, like I've made, there were a few decisions that I didn't make or some things that I didn't, didn't or did do that later on, I was like, well, what if, and that became, I learned that lesson, I think fairly early. Mm -hmm. So that became a question, you know, for like major decisions for me. And that this was yeah. another time where, well, have I done enough work that if I look back on this 10 years from now, that I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you gave it a shot and it didn't work out. And I was like, well, no, so I'll keep working. You know, and all this, like, like I said, all the physical therapy days and well, and there were lots of little signs from, you know, from, from higher powers and stuff that were, that were kind of pushing me along. Cause I'm not saying I was all like super positive every day and all this, you know, there were some times where I was going into physical therapy and I'd never skipped physical therapy unless it was like, you know, like a foot of snow in the ground yeah. or something like that you know, I was like, okay, this is part of like, I got to do this. Um, and, um, and I actually liked it because I felt like I was making progress in something um, as frustrating as it was, but there were some times where I would go into physical therapy and I was feeling sorry for myself. And invariably those would be days where I would go in and there was someone who had suffered like some sort of industrial accident where, you know, they lost half of their fingers, like your half of these fingers would be gone. And, they're like, yeah, I'm going to be going back into work in a couple of weeks. And I'm just like, okay, I should just keep my mouth shut and, yeah. you know, just mm -hmm. do stuff. Right. And then I kind of looked at once all that happened and I was trying to relearn how to play. And even when I was done with physical therapy, I was looking at practice as like continued physical therapy, mm -hmm. you know, to mm -hmm. part of it. So I was like, well, the only way to get better at doing this is to do it. <laughs> so, and I was doing all sorts of little finger stretching exercises and, you know, or finger strengthening exercises and stuff. I was doing that too. And the physical therapists were, the surgeon was amazing. The physical therapists were amazing. Like she, one day I went in and she was like, so I was thinking of you this morning. I was thinking about your therapy this morning and I stole one of my five-year-old's toys. And I'm like, okay and she brought in like a wind-up toy for me to try it and stuff she's like here's your physical therapy so yeah you know you have people that are doing all these strengthening exercises there up this hopping across and not being able to do it you know i'm just like oh my god right yeah yeah it's a humbling experience of course yeah but well i think it's like you were saying about just how it helps you relate to your students or like the way it like you you feel like you're a better teacher and I think it's like I know places where I feel like the deficiencies that I had as a player past a point that I thought I should have had them and then having to learn how to do those things well those are reasons that I feel capable as a teacher because I experience that later I understand the process of getting better at it and then I can be more effective with my students and so I think you know, it's a relatable thing. We're not teaching like a bunch of like, you know, very rarely do you teach a student that can just like do everything you're asking them to do. And it's like, when we have 
experiences that we have to like learn and work hard and it makes us relatable to our students. Um, maybe it helps with their willingness, um, but also with our ability to communicate effectively. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone has, and I stress this to every one of my students, um, that everyone has a different learning curve with different things. You know, I was like, there's something I'm like, you might see me as being able to do this stuff really easy, but there's some stuff that was really hard for me to do, to learn or to do, and you might pick it up like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm always quick to tell them, I'm like, so jealous. You learned that in yeah. like, you learned that in like one week or five minutes or whatever. And it took me like four months to even get close to be able to, you know, I try, I try and pass that stuff along too. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, I think they need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, Mike. Um, so we are just running out of time, unfortunately. But I, I have. Yeah, I know. I'm very long-winded. I apologize. No, no, <laughs> no. This is all great stuff. Um, but I do have one more question. Um, do you have a Spotify playlist, and what is currently on it? Or do you have like a million different Spotify playlists? <laughs> I do um, a bunch of different Spotify playlists, um, and it's funny. I'm going to say about a year ago, a little, uh, a little bit, maybe even a little bit less than a year ago, I was even just the random like daily lists that they would come up with mm -hmm. were just totally on fire. Like everything, like there was one that was, you know, like a kid of the eighties. So like there's the, like the eighties stuff that I liked. And there was one that was like the, pro the progressive rock stuff that I like. Mm -hmm. And then there was, it's like um, Irish music. I've uh, been to Ireland a couple of times. I love that. And, and actually, there were two different ones that were Irish. One is one was uh, like trad, the traditional stuff, and one was uh, um, more like newer bands, you know, the, the more contemporary. Band. And I forget what the other one was, but th that one kind of varied. But th there was just like, oh my gosh, I could listen to any one of these, and they're great. Yeah. Uh, Except for the occasional Spotify Rick rolls me for, for some reason, <laughs> um, which is weird. It's like, wow, I just heard a Rush song, a Yes song, a Genesis song, and never going to give you up pops up. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but see, they know what you're thinking. What were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but I joined uh, uh, some, a uh, couple of, I subbed and I joined like a, a couple of wedding slash corporate events bands mm -hmm. last fall. I started subbing with them and then one of them had a bass opening. So I'm playing with one and subbing with the other. Um, it's downtown sound that's on the, that was on the bio yeah. and uh, central City orchestra. And so there are a lot of songs to learn for them. Mm -hmm. And in learning those, I've been putting them on Spotify. And so those songs have permeated all of my Spotify lists. And I'm just like, okay. So, um, but um, I, boy, I, there's so much music that I like that's out there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, do yeah. you have a favorite, a favorite band or artist? Like maybe when growing up, like, did you have? Growing up for the longest time, I was a big Rush fan. Like if you look, yeah, that that's, uh, and I've seen them way, I saw them way more than I saw any other band. But um, yeah, I know typical guy, bass player, musician thing to say, but but it really, yeah, definitely. Um, um, that, that, was, that was definitely the number one, but there's so many, um, even just like bass players that I'll listen to their bands or uh, 
uh, or different styles. And it just could be like, um, what was I listening to? A couple songs just the other day. Uh, I, I was like, I'm in a Peter Gabriel mood. So I was putting in oh, uh-huh. stuff. Or um, there's a band from the 70s, 80s, Triumph. You know, there's from, you know, like the, there's a, Okay. There were another power trio from Canada that you know really good guitar playing on it and uh, very high vocals, <laughs> high pitched vocals. There's a, but um, uh, yeah. So I was listening to them. Um, it could be anything. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. And I know yeah. I haven't mentioned classical, but once in a while I'll put some classical on um, too. But not as often as you'd think for me having to. No, no, that's. I think most of. I mean, I don't want to speak for people, but like I can't. If I'm listening to it, it's because I'm playing it. It's not like I don't often. Sometimes piano, like I'll put piano on in the background or whatever, but like like orchestral music it's it's i'm listening because i'm i'm learning it for a job yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, things yeah. that i've played in the past that i haven't heard for a while that i might want to put on yeah mm-hmm. you know, like, that i'll do that um but um i was just also thinking i also have kind of a fascination with um uh, trying to find live version like some artists i think are really really good live yeah. so i'll look for their live stuff like i've been listening to a lot of um bruce hornsby live mm-hmm. like, I, studio stuff like it's okay with the live stuff is amazing great yeah. band um that and also i might go down a rabbit hole of looking up cover versions of artists doing other songs like you know um there's actually uh you know like dolly parton doing stairway to heaven for instance no, which, is, yeah. which, is, which is out there and it's actually I mean, it's, you know, it's Nashville, it's banjoed up, and she's got backing singers and all that stuff on it, but it's actually pretty darn good, and, you know, like that, so there's, there's stuff like that that I'll go down, I'll go down to good, it's good. (laughs) So, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, We really appreciate that you did this, and I think, you know, people will really like uh, listening to what you have to say. Thank you. I hope that, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. It's like as much as I was talking, I don't really think, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I'm not sure anyone's going to find this very, you know, <laughs> very interesting or anything. So, but no, it's, um, no, it's great. Oh, no, we, yeah. re- we really appreciate it. So, um, so thank you, Mike. Um, and thank you to our listeners. Um, this has been a lot of fun for Morgan and I to get to know our colleagues a bit better. And we hope you're enjoying these conversations. Um, if you, our listeners, have any questions or suggestions as to who you might enjoy an interview of, or if you would like to sponsor any of our episodes, we have lots of musicians and students of musicians listening in. So please contact us at lifebetweenthenotes at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and video versions can be found on our Life Between the Notes YouTube channel. So follow us at all of these places and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So thank you, Mike, and thank you, Morgan. You are Zoom Wave.